the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson and joining me for the penultimate, penultimate time yes. is editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. If you haven't been following us or you don't follow us on Twitter, you might not know that this uh, is Trev's last but one podcast as he will be leaving us next Friday. Uh, to head off where, Trev? Some financial services magazine? Uh, well, company's key media. For the dollar. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's sold Typical out. Typical football. <laughs> Bring him up through the ranks. First shot a big money transfer. Off he goes. Off he goes. Well... Aidan Ormond, our uh, online reporter extraordinaire, will be uh, taking over the reins as uh, as a new editor from uh, from early May. Um, so we wish uh, we wish Trev all the best next week on Thank this you. final podcast. Uh, anyway, let's kick off, Trev. A League round or week twenty two started in Adelaide, Perth Glory, <coughs> two 0 win. Yeah. As, as always, or, or most times, uh, there was a red card, but it wasn't for Perth. No. Yeah, I mean, important um, bounce-back win for Perth. Good time to play Adelaide. They're, you know, they know their season's over and they're playing like it. Um, you know, they've not even necessarily got a coach who's going to stay on, so they're not even playing for spots at the start of next season. Um, didn't even get 6,000 for, for the game. You know, it's... It's tough going for Adelaide at the moment. So if you have got them in your running, you know you're going to be absolutely lo- loving it as much as you'd probably be loving a game against the Gold Coast. Well, I mean, you know you're not, your luck's not in when Jacob Burns curls one with the outside Great of his right foot from 25 yards. Awesome finish. And, and, and from that point, you, you felt okay. I, I can see Perth, you know, really doing some damage here to be two up in 24 minutes. But um, you know they, they didn't need to carry on going. They didn't need to find another gear because it was. Um, is always a pretty safe win for them, and, and another away win for Perth. I mean, I'd be interested to see the stats are on on Perth's away wins this season compared to their away wins since they've been in the A League. Really, I can't see them being far off. And they'll probably, need, you know, they'll need to draw on that going into the finals because even if they don't play away in the first week, they will have to play away in sort of you know weeks two and three of the finals if they get through. Well, so yeah, really having s- that confidence that. They have been able to go on the road and win now. They'll yeah. need that come final start. I mean, it's, it's very likely if, if they do make it through, they'll, they'll have to go either away to the Mariners or Brisbane for a place in the grand final. Yeah. Um, you know, and you could predict it, but go to you know away to the Mariners. So that's going to be an extremely tough game. So yeah, they're, they're going to need to pull on this all this new thrust they've got away from home. Okay, uh, Brisbane Raw, who were uh, trying to heat the pressure on the Mariners. Um, very nearly did so. Had, uh, unfortunately, Clint Bolton was in the way who, uh, for the second week running, uh, although he actually stopped this penalty. Um, Saad Mohamed Adnan's uh, injury time spot kick uh, was looking like it was going to give Brisbane uh, their fifth straight victory, um, but great save, powered it away. Um, chance missed for the Raw. Yeah, I mean, Clint Bolton's getting a bit of a reputation for, for saving penalties and I mean, they were extremely short price Brisbane going into this, and understandably so. I, I'm yeah, I know. very surprised. I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm very surprised that they didn't win, and, and Hart seemed to have had a, a, a you know, no pun intended, a mini revival, haven't they? Um, which they needed, and they now look like they're gonna they're gonna cling on to a finals place, so they look like they were plumbing out of it before. Look at the crowd here. Um, 9,998. Do you think there was two people that just at the end thought, no, nah, I'm not going to... You know what? <laughs> I'm not going to go. I've got a story like that. <laughs> in the, um, the 1980-81 season mm. when Villa won the league, me and my dad went to... It was 42-game season then. So I think we went to about 35 of the games, home and away. Right. We missed one home game. That was it, because my dad was away with work. Mm. And Villa, Villa Park's capacity on uh, that, in those days was 48,000. Hmm. And the crowd was 47,998. <laughs> and we were season ticket holders. And I never let my dad forgive it for about two years. Because they used to have the old electronic like little digital yeah. scoreboard. that came up <laughs> attendance and it was in the programme. So I kept it. 47,998. And I was like, that's our fault. That is our fault. <laughs> yeah, classic. 
Anyway, um, okay, so yeah, as I said, Hart, um, that put Brisbane still three points now behind the Mariners, would have kept the pressure on. Um, Hart, as you say, Trev, um, clinging on to that finals berth, three points ahead of Sydney FC. They're level on points with the Jets, but we'll come to the Jets next uh, because they uh, pretty much put Melbourne victory out of the running for a final spot with uh, with an impressive 3-1 win. Uh, at Amy Park, although it has to be said, Melbourne did their best to make Newcastle look good. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I suppose uh, every time you, you sit down to watch the victory game, it's always a good game, and you always feel like you know they've got the potential to do damage because you know the players are going to come out. But this almost defined their season, didn't it? Really, I mean, it was it was a Jets burst of of sort of three goals from the 20th minute through to the 40th, 40th minute. And they just looked, you know, all at sea victory, didn't they? And it, it summed up their season perfectly, you know. And, and they don't deserve to make the finals now, do they? And even though I thought, they, you know, I wanted them to because I think that they would have made a, an interesting wild card down the bottom. Um, but they just, you know, they just haven't been good enough. They just haven't gelled well enough. Yeah, I mean, it was sort of like, you know, the, the double whammy, really, of, um, you know, conceding those soft goals, but then also you know, missing the opportunity with the second penalty, yeah. which Harry skied into the crowd um, to sort of get back into the game. So they were, you know, it was like they got themselves in the position that they did. They were given a lifeline and didn't take it. Yeah. You know. Uh, so, I mean, let's talk about Jim McGilton. Obviously, he's not had a lot of room for Nuva in terms of personnel, but no. one win in nine, surely... You've got to be doing better than that with that squad. Well, yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I think you you expect a natural lift, regardless of who you've got, and even if it was even Adelaide under Koshi for a you know a, a while seemed to get there. So, I mean, that's a big disappointment. I mean, Michael Lynch's column on Magillan, um this month was really interesting because he was sort of saying that he feels he's rejuvenated the whole team and the whole city because he's you know he's quite charismatic and he's interesting and, and he's unlike any victory manager we've had before. I mean. You know, Merrick got results, but he, he was never sort of a media darling, was he, for no. for, for charming them? So, I, I think there's, you know, Lynchy certainly made it sound like he'd like him to stay on, and he says in his column that he thinks he he will, we will be given the chance, he will be given the full close season to get in the type of players that he wants. Um, and I think it just a bit, it depends about what other options Victory have got, you know. If, if yeah, and you sort of get that impression there was a there was a members forum this week uh, in Melbourne, and uh, present were. Um, Anthony DiPietro, uh, I think Trent Jacobs, Richard Wilson, the CEO, and Jim McGilton. Yeah. Uh, and certainly following it on Twitter, I wasn't there personally, but following fans, members' comments on Twitter, the, the sort of feeling they got and the language that was being used was that McGilton looks like he is going to be there next season. Yeah. Which I don't have a problem with. You know, I think if he's given time to, to bring in the types of players that he wants and, you know, the. These teams normally play good football, and, and they've certainly got the strikers to finish off that good football. It, it just needs work across that midfield, really. Well, one person who uh, won't be sending him a Christmas card is Matthew Kemp, uh, who completely spat the dummy when, when hooked just before half-time. Um, I mean, obviously, Kemp felt that he was being made a scapegoat when you could probably look at most of the back four or five defensive-minded players for Melbourne yeah. and point the finger at all of them, but... Trevor, you, you really don't want to see that. There's no, you know, that's not going to really ingratiate you with the coach. No, or it's the not. Fans. And, and look, players, there's sort of this unwritten etiquette about substitutions that you don't change anything until half time. Um, and I've seen a lot of, you know, very good managers not interested in that. I mean, I'd, you know, Huss would do that as well, wouldn't he? He's got no problem with making a change after half an hour if things are going wrong. And um, Pardew... You're a third of the way through the game. Then. Well, exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and, and Pardew's obviously not in the same fit as, as the other guys, but Pardew used to do that quite a lot. If, you know, if you're 25, well, anything beyond 30 minutes and it's obviously not working then why feel the need to wait another 15 minutes yeah, to make a change? Yeah, well, if, if it's all, a change, you're definitely going to make. Ultimately, if you've spotted a way, not the case in, in this game, but if you've spotted a way in the first half an hour, the way the, team is set, the other team is set up, that you can win the game with a player you've got on the bench, yeah. then get him in. And that was what Gus did in the semi-finals. Yeah, got yeah, yeah. Was he left Harry on the bench. Because he knew Ed Because he already. knew in the, in the first half an hour, it was going to be very physical. People were going to kick lumps out of each other. So, right, let the game settle down, then let's bring on our match winner. Yeah. yeah. All right, Sydney SC, 
another uh, underperforming uh, what should be a, you know, a big team in, in the A-League, uh, Sydney and Melbourne, uh, both massively underperformed this week. Um, although you'd have to say Sydney were, uh, you know, were seconds away from nicking a very, very important win that, that could have blown open the, uh, the title race as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it would have, I mean, if Brisbane had scored that last minute penalty and Mariners not scored their last minute equaliser, then all it, square. it would have been very, very different. But, um, I, I still think that, the Mariners aren't playing well. The Mariners have also still got to go away to Perth and away to Wellington before the end of the season. So, it's, you know, two road trips that no one looks forward to against two teams that are playing well. Um, that's their main problem, I think. Well, so as we'll talk about very shortly, they're, they're both Mariners and Brisbane have now got a balanced Asian Champions League as well. So yeah. Mariners played last night in, in China. Um, so we'll come back again to play this weekend. So, and Raw will have their away trips coming up shortly. So. Uh, you talk about how tough it is for European teams with massive squads having to sort of fly an hour into mainland yeah. Europe or whatever, try flying to and back from Asia. You see sort of the size of the squads has been smaller sometimes. Like I'm not sure if it's Adelaide who only took about 16 players or something. Yeah, well, and also what we've not seen this year is people signing players just for the Asian Champions League. So yeah, from, uh, from A-League. Yeah, teams. <laughs> but also I think that's because obviously the season's massively extended into April now. Yeah. You know, when yeah, when we were in seasons before the grand final, was, some instances was in February yeah. or early March. So, all right, Wellington Phoenix moved uh, back up or solidified their position in third spot. Um, you know, did it a little bit tough uh, against the Gold Coast, one nil up after uh, 29 minutes. Andrew Durante um, didn't make it completely safe until Nick Ward. Uh, Popped up in stoppage time. I was gutted. I had uh, Wellington to win by one goal. <laughs> um, but still in third, only three points behind Brisbane Raw. Yeah. So when you look at you know the the press that Brisbane have got and the Mariners have got, there's Wellington and you know the the likes of Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, not in contention. This is another fantastic season for Wellington. That's incredible. Yeah. Where do you stand on the the tweet coverage from the Wellington Phoenix? Um, <laughs> I mean, you can't do an official club account. I'm, no, I'm with that. It was still funny. <laughs> it was funny. It would be a, if it was just a fan doing it yeah. under his yeah, Phoenix unofficial or something. Yeah. It would be hilarious. But, <laughs> but yeah, you can sort of see that um, it wasn't uh, really suitable to be no. coming from the official Twitter feed. All right. Um, so let's have a quick look at the ladder. <coughs> Mariners, top. Everyone's played 24 games, so there are three games left to go by my fantastic maths. Um, Mariners, 24 played, 45 points. Brisbane, 42 points. Wellington, 39 points. Glory, 37 points. Hart and Newcastle Jets are both on 34. Sydney SC, still in with a shot, uh, but you probably think they need to win their last three games on 31 and then another five points back to Melbourne, Adelaide and Gold Coast. And we'll talk about fixtures coming up later. Trevor, let's move on to um, Asian Champions League. Yep. Uh, Brisbane. Got a bit of taste of their own medicine. Yeah, I mean, it, it was like watching a Brisbane A-League game, except Brisbane weren't Brisbane, if you know what I mean. <laughs> they were on the receiving end of what a lot of teams have had to part with. In the I put on Twitter, it was Brisbane looked like some, some bloke that's just turned up at a wedding and they've noticed that they're wearing the same suit as a much better looking tanned <laughs> fitter yeah you know taller bloke yeah it's it like, was, the suit's it, still the same but somebody else has just carried it off a lot better exactly yeah but look, there's no real I mean it, it's disappointing because we're always talking you know Brisbane were a real hope for Asian Champions League and they still are it's only one game uh, but in terms of you know the size of the game the development that, that's going on in Japan um, there's no real shame to to sort of go down to FC Tokyo. Well, particularly when you think that this was a J2 side preparing for their season in the J League. Yeah. So they're, they're a promoted side. Yeah. That's pretty scary. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do we think about Brisbane and, and the way that they dealt with it? Obviously, Tokyo started the game phenomenally. Like, such well, pace yeah. in it. You know, technique and pace together. Then, then for Brisbane sort of came back into it a bit, but really up until the first goal, but then after that, you know, they were, they were really out of it on two goals in ten minutes, sort of killed it off. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the goal before half-time was, was probably fair. I think FC Tokyo deserved to be in the lead at half-time. And I think for a lot of the Brisbane players, it's just a case of getting used to that step up that it's going to be in the ACL. And I don't think you know, all games are not going to be as tough as this FC Tokyo game. But they just have to sort of make sure they prepare themselves for you know what it's going to be like and how teams are going to come at them. Um, but I mean, it was, it was sort of a good start for Brisbane because it was a home tie where uh, the you know, other guys are travelling around. So I think they'll be disappointed to not at least get something from it. Good I mean, crowd. I was about to say well, a reasonable crowd. And completely considering that it was absolutely hammering it down. Yeah. And you know, the Asian Champions League has sort of um, struggled to connect, fair to say, with with the Australian clubs. But once the novelty wears off, and I guess that will be the uh, the key. I mean, we've seen Sydney with 20,000-plus crowds, Melbourne with 20,000-plus crowds, but that was when they were getting their first taste of it. Um, and I guess the crowds will come with success if we start winning in the Asian Champions League, the crowds will come. Uh, Adelaide United, not sure where this came from, Massive but a fantastic away win. Uh, 2-1 against uh, Bunyad Kaur in, uh, in Uzbekistan. Um, Against David Carney, slotted in left-back for his debut. Um, but a 2-1 win for Adelaide. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure if they, if they you know, they looked across at Adelaide, you know, looked across at the A-League and how Adelaide were playing and where they are and felt that this would be an easy home win for them. But it, it was a huge surprise. I mean, I think if we thought anyone was going to win their opening game, it would be Brisbane at home. So for Adelaide to sort of turn things around and Adelaide ha- have a history of performing better in the Champions League than they have been in the league. So, yeah, I mean... And what a brilliant platform now. Well, they've got, obviously, they've got the experience of going to places like this before, knowing what it takes to get out of the group stages and into the knockout stages. So yep. um, maybe this could be the uh, the little tonic that Adelaide season needs, a bit of a run in the Asian Champions League, get the fans back excited. Uh, as we talked about, the Mariners were in action last night, late last night, our time. Uh, got a nil-nil draw against Tianjin. That's not a bad result. Happy with that, you'd say. I think... I think the, the secret, which we haven't always been able to do in the in the Asian Champions League, is you've got to win your home games. Yeah, just draw away from home and yeah. make sure you, you're solid. You win know, your home games. Any points you can pick up away from home um, are handy. So you'd probably say that that's, um, yeah, that's a decent result. Yeah. It's just whether that has an impact now on them coming back to play uh, play this weekend. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, th- I think they've got a slightly easier group, haven't they, the Mariners, <coughs> c- compared to, to Brisbane and Adelaide. So the Especially with that result, they'd certainly be expecting to make it through. Okay. All right, that's it for part one. We'll be back in part two to look at some of the headlines, and there are plenty, on our website, au.442.com. The April issue of 442 Magazine is on sale now. It's a special edition on the toughest job in football, the coach. We profile 40 years of Socceroo coaches, analyze Man United 70-year-old Alex Ferguson, take the FFA AFC B license coaching course, plus Archie Thompson and Mark Milligan model the new Socceroos away jersey, 442 magazine. Get it at newsstands or download it onto your iPad today. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. Let's start with uh, it, it took something big to get uh, Clive Palmer off the, uh, <laughs> off people, off fans' lips yeah. for a while, but uh, that came um, this week when Sydney FC out of nowhere sacked their CEO Dirk Melton. Um, still not many details. There was a very cryptic uh, release from the club, which said that um, I'll just read it to you now. The statement said the board of Sydney Football Club <coughs> has today announced that Sydney FC has terminated effective immediately the employment of Dirk Melton, its chief executive officer. The unanimous decision of the board follows a number of formal complaints of a serious nature by employees which were investigated and revealed behaviour in Mr Melton's management of staff, which was completely unacceptable. It also then went on, the board determined that Mr Melton's behaviour towards staff was inconsistent with his obligations and could not be tolerated by the board. Uh, Stefan Kamas is going to take over uh, until they make a decision on his replacement. So, Trev. Big shock. Yeah. A huge shock. I mean, he, he was, you know, gathering a really, really good reputation, certainly externally, on, on doing a good job and doing that sort of community hard yards that we've often accused Sydney of not doing. Um, and he, he always seemed to, you know, and I say seem because this is this is all stuff on the outside, he often seemed a, you know, an affable character and a good guy. And the way he sort of come out on, 
on Twitter, he sort of talks a little bit about, you know, a couple of blokes having it in for him. I don't know if it's, and I'm speculating here, if it's kind of, could be deemed as sort of bullying or overly, <coughs> overly sort of, um, you know, boorish attitude towards managing staff. That's that's been his undoing at the end, but yeah, it's a, it a real surprise. Well, it's uh, six CEO in seven seasons, um, so they're now looking for their seventh. Um, you know, you look at some of the key indicators. You know, obviously, he was in, in integral in the, the Brett Emerton deal. You know, crowds have been up, memberships have been up. Obviously, one goes hand in hand with the other. Um, but then again, on the other side, you'd probably say, you know. A, key factor is Sydney haven't got a sponsor on their shirt mm-hmm. and have given it away as, as nobly as that is giving it to UNICEF um, that's happened very late on in the season because <clears throat> they couldn't sell it yeah I mean that's staggering when a team with national coverage like that can't get a, can't get a sponsorship yeah well I'm sure there's uh, there'll be more to come out on this because uh, Dirk Melton's representative has said that he is uh, looking at his legal um, situation and, uh, and may yet take legal action against the club. Um, so we'll follow that obviously as it unfolds. I mean, another, um, a, another illegal legal clash. There we go. Uh, two candidates that were uh, linked with the position and uh, were, as far as we understand, uh, numbers two and three in the top three uh, to take on the Sydney FC job when Dirk Melton was appointed was uh, Tony Pinata. Ex-Wellington Phoenix CEO, ex-CEO uh, of Football Federation Victoria, and Kimon Taliadores, um, who everyone knows from a, a former Socceroo, uh, TV work with SBS and Fox Sports. Um, both have very quickly said that they're still interested. Um, what do you think of the two candidates? I mean, two strong candidates, really. I, I, you know, and I got the impression from a few of the comments down below, the stories on both of these, that... Um, either would be a, a reasonable choice for the club. I mean, it, it's an appealing job because it's sort of, it's a big job and it's a big, big challenge. But if you're an ambitious sort of person, that's exactly the sort of job that you want to take on. Um, I, I would still say that Tony would probably be slightly ahead just for a little bit, you know, you know, experience before and the type of decision they made in the past that perhaps he'll, perhaps he'll get the nod, but I, I really don't know. Mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, obviously, Tony's got more direct experience ha- ha- having run an A-League club yeah. um, and obviously been fundamental in putting the foundations together for a very solid Wellington Phoenix side and a, a lot of which you know, they're still bearing fruit from today. Um, and then you've got, on the other hand, you know, an ex-Socceroo um, that a lot of people clamour for. Let's get football people in the key positions. Um, but obviously, Kimon has also got a lot of uh, business Acumen, he's got an MBA in finance, marketing, accounting, diploma in sports management. So, yeah, I mean, I think it'd be interesting to see either of them. Two strong candidates. Yeah. I mean, I don't, like, I don't think there could be any complaints either. And gets it. Well, I hope that um, you know Sydney move quickly uh, to do this because uh, it's not been a great season. They've got a coach to find. Yeah. Um, you know, and that will drive the, the philosophy that that incoming coach brings. Will drive everything that the club does so I think it's important that that CEO is in place and and fundamentally involved in that decision yeah um, you know so uh, yeah so we'll follow that Socceroos have announced uh, friendly on August 15th with uh, Scotland at Easter Road in Edinburgh mm. looking to complete the uh, the home nations Grand Slam yes yeah some some decent results there they should call this the Kevin Ayers Cup shouldn't they and the Socceroos yeah. play Scotland I don't think he'll be that divided on support he always seems fairly indifferent to Scotland but yeah I mean some people are saying oh is this the sort of team that, that we should be playing because um, perhaps Scotland don't have the, the best reputation but the, the point is we're, we're going to you know, get a lot of Asian experience, which is important because it's, and it's unavoidable because we're qualifying for Asia and we're going to spend a lot of time in the Middle East. But when we get chances to play friendlies, then it's good to play European-style teams, um, and it's easier for for Holger to have a look at the European-based players or the you know the guys that are in England. And so yeah, it, it seems like a a reasonable choice, and, I, and I'd be fairly confident of an Australia win there as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we've, we've been talking about Tom Rogic uh, in recent weeks. Obviously, we, we know him from uh, being one of the winners of Nike's The Chance last year. Um, as we launched on the site last week, uh, this year's search, global talent search, is now underway. Um, so you can head to nikefootball.com. 
if you think you can mix it with the likes of Tom Rogic. And uh, fantastic prize. They're going to go on a, a tour of um, including Barcelona um, and I think well, around Europe, isn't it? There, from the go to a Dutch side, it's it'd be the Nike sponsored side, that's, isn't it? Most likely that they'll. Um, yeah, so they're going to go on a tour of, of and play some of the the, the youth teams from uh, from key America uh, as clubs. Well. Yeah, US, UK, um, Holland, and Barcelona. I think yeah, it is. Um, yeah, not full bad. details. Yeah, but anyway, head to Nike Football. Uh, you can enter via Facebook, and uh, as with Tom. If you uh, do the business and get down to the final few, you'll be featuring in 442 quite a lot. Yeah, and how good's he been? You know, Fantastic. Talk, you know, they talk about, obviously, the talks that he might be going to victory as well in the, in the close season, possibly, but either way, he's been brilliant. OK, Aurelio Vidmar uh, selected an experimental 18-player squad for the Oliver's final match. Um, obviously, qualification is, uh, is out of the question now, um, so it's a bit of a dead rubber, um, but players called up include Tom Rogic, um, but also the likes of uh, Zach Anderson, Chris Harold from the Gold Coast, James Jago from Victory, Mitch Marley from Sydney, Jacob Pepper from Newcastle, Josh Wisdom from Perth Glory, and Loris Thomas from Melbourne Victory. Interesting to see, you know, Craig Goodwin go through there after his incredible debut he had at the heart and, and how well he's been playing since. So, yeah, um, Pepper's shown what he can do as well, and obviously so is Rogic, so, I mean, that... That looks, on paper, like a reasonable team. Nothing to lose. <coughs> maybe we'll score a goal, hey? Hey, maybe. That'd be a start, wouldn't it? Amazing. Um, Richard Garcia has had a year out, a year to forget for uh, for Richard uh, at Hull, but he's now um, invigorated uh, and ready to return and looking forward to trying to get force his way back into the reckoning with the Socceroos. Yeah. He's always sort of been, you know, he's been out injured for a year, but to be fair, he's... He's one of those quiet achievers, isn't he, often for the Socceroos. He sort of flies under the radar a little bit. Um, and I think he's got his work cut out to get back in the Socceroos team, to be fair. He has to play very, very well at Hull. He's still only 30, um, so maybe a, a shot at a target to bring back to the A-League? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll be thinking about Brazil. That's the big, the big carrot for him, as it were. But like I say, that's not going to be easy. Okay. Uh, overseas Aussies, quick sort of tour. Um, Nikita Rukovica scored the winner and only goal as uh, Erta Berlin ended a run of six straight defeats with a win over Werder Bremen. Um, Rukovica is an interesting one because he just seems to have dropped off Socceroos' radar completely, mm-hmm. which considering Holger's background as a German coach and he's playing in the Bundesliga, is, surprises me. No, this is a guy that went to the World Cup yeah. and he played at the World Cup. Um, and yeah, he's not had much of a look at even with the the kind of squads that you'd expect a player, a sort of fringe player like him, to make it in. Um, he's not been playing a huge amount of football, but hopefully this goal will make a difference. And the team not going well is never good, but that might be an opportunity for him to, to force his way in, I suppose. Uh, Millie Edenat was also on target um, with his first goal for Crystal Palace, which was also the winner in a 1-0 win over Peterborough. Um, not such good fortune for Reese Williams, who was sent off in Middlesbrough's three-one win at Portsmouth. Uh, second red, deep into stoppage time. Uh, Tim Cale featured for Everton, a one-one draw. Chris Hurd back in the action at Villa, excellent, um, and and back in the action well, but was substituted by Alex McLeish. There we go. What was he doing? Um, what was he doing wrong? Chris Hurd. He's playing too well. <laughs> he needed to get Hesky on. Uh, All right, that's it for part two. We'll be back in part three to turn our attention to the English Premier League and the European Champions League, which has uh, had some entertaining second legs this week. We'll talk you through them after the break. Aside from a better night's sleep for both you and your partner, there are so many other benefits to treating your snoring. For example, did you know that snoring makes you produce excess cortisol, which slows your metabolism? So if you snore for a prolonged period, you may find you gain weight easily. Snoring is also a sign your body is getting a little less oxygen, and reduced oxygen in blood can contribute to arterial plaque buildup. These are just a couple of reasons why it's a good idea to try a mandibular splint from Instantly Stop Snoring. one 800 991 259. Back to 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We are going to look at 
quick look at the uh, UEFA Champions League. European Champions League, UEFA Champions League, I'll take that. Um, Arsenal, let's saw about it. Awesome. After so many column inches about their 4-0 defeat in Milan, Trev, it was so nearly one of the comebacks of the century. Yeah, I mean, you know, to get three up by half-time as well and to really have Milan mat- uh, rattled... Um, Looked all you know all over the place at times, Milan, and um, it's almost like the half-time break cut a bit of the momentum for Arsenal. Um, yeah. You know, and, and if they'd come out and if they went in at two 0 up and got a third straight after the, the break, then it could have been different because it just felt like more of a slog for that second half. But they still had chances, you know, to, to force well, at least that six double time. save by Abiati that was yeah. uh, from his. Uh, the first one, but then Van Persie, Van Persie the follow-up, an incredible stop. Um, but you sort of as well, you got the feeling that the first half had been so emotional and such a, you know, they'd put so much into it that yeah. midway through the second half, they were sort of dead on their feet a bit. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, you almost need a late rally, don't you, and things like that. But but still, I mean, a, a bit of credibility clawed back for Arsenal. Yeah, and this morning, um, well, I mean, what what more can we say about Lionel Messi? Uh, he scored five goals. First player to score five goals in a Champions League game uh, as Barcelona booked their place in the quarterfinals. Seven-one win against Bayer Leverkusen, which made it ten-two on aggregate. Yeah. Any more to add on Lionel Messi? I was saying this some this morning. At the moment, I find the kind of the discussion of the best player ever quite interesting, and you can make a case for Messi. I think in about three, four years' time, it won't be a discussion anymore. It will just be a fact, you know. That if he continues to be this consistent at this level of competition, then it doesn't matter about winning the World Cup or not. He'll quite obviously be the best player. Ever. Yeah, I mean, people talk about George Best as being <clears throat> one of the best players ever. He never even played at World Cup. No, no it's, just, it's a strange, it's a strange criteria playing well for a month overseas in the tournament. It's about years of consistency and. If, <coughs> if Messi stays fit, because um, he had a few injury problems earlier in his career, if he stays fit like he has in recent years, then you know it, it's on something. I, I don't know if that was his was his forty seventh or forty eighth goals of the season. Um, you know, it, it generally in the Champions League, averages a, a goal a game. So the very you know pinnacle of well football, I think, in the Champions League, it, he's the very pinnacle of player. So yeah, like you say, you, you struggle to continue to say things about him really. Ridiculous. He just keeps getting better. All right, let's look at the Premier League. Um, action from last weekend saw uh, an ill-tempered northeast derby. Newcastle won, Sunderland won, with even the managers. I was going to say involved. the players and the managers having a go at each other. Lee Catamore set the tone after I think 37 seconds by getting booked. <laughs> yeah. And then finally got sent off after the final whistle for abusing the ref. Uh, we had penalties. We had scored penalties, missed penalties. Yeah, um, I guess that you know Newcastle has sort of had a little bit of a wobble, but they're still right in there. You know, well, that's it. I mean, like so have Chelsea, two, really. So yeah, you know, they're two points off fifth, uh, five points off fourth, which you'd probably say is out of their reach now, but still in with a chance of qualifying for Europe. Yeah, which, which would be a phenomenal achievement. Oh, completely. I mean, they're, they're still above <laughs> Liverpool. You know, Liverpool have got a game in hand, but even if they win that, they won't go above Newcastle. Um, and, and Liverpool fans will tell you about how pleased they were to beat um, Championship playoff hopeful Cardiff in the final. But the truth is, it's it's been a really poor season for them. Wolves continued to uh, thank the day they fired Mick McCarthy uh, <laughs> by losing five nil to Fulham. Uh, yeah. Hat trick for uh, am I going to say this? Am I going to get it right? Pob- yeah, who for, for people in the know came over with, with quite a big reputation as well. And also with this game, whenever I watch football, I just sorry, whenever I watch Fulham, I always get blown away by how good Clint Dempsey is and how incredibly underrated he is. And I'm I'm surprised that a bigger club's not sniffing around anymore. Perhaps that'll happen in the summer. I don't know. Yeah, and Martin Yole, he's just say done a done a good job there. Yeah, up into eighth. Yep, the, I mean the. The new appointments in in terms of Sunderland, have, I mean, it, it's incredible how close that is. Even pretty much from seventh with Liverpool on thirty nine points, all the way down to Everton in, in well Swansea, down in fourteenth on thirty three points. I mean, um, imagine if Liverpool have a not great finish, and a few teams blow. I mean, look, 
it's, it's pers- you know, reasonable to expect that if that did happen, then Liverpool could find themselves down in 13th, 14th in the table. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Okay. Tottenham won, Man United three, um, Spurs back to back defeats now, following their uh, derby defeat, heavy derby defeat against Arsenal. Um, Dawson injured this morning as well. Really? In the FA Cup, yeah. I mean, is it a seal to say that, you know, a lot of people are looking at um, the speculation with Redknapp and the England job? Is that starting to affect things? Does seem to see they've gone on this little bit of a mini slide um, yeah. since that, or is it just the fact that they've played two two good teams? Remember, they got spanked in the first two games of the season and then didn't lose for another sort of 14, 15 games. I think they've just got very good at beating, you know, teams that perhaps they're capable of beating. I mean, with that game, the Tottenham weren't bad at all. I mean, particularly in the first half, they were very good. But sometimes the difference between, you know, that that gap between second and third is huge, you know, not because all around the players are, are so much better, but it's just that touch of class for finishing, you know, when it comes to just a handful of chances yeah. and you've got someone like Wayne Rooney, you know, or Ashley Young or something, you know, that that's the difference, I think. Uh, I mean, let's stay with that thought. Um, Arsenal 2, Liverpool 1, last-minute winner from Robin Van Persie. Um, phenomenal finish. I yeah. mean, to have the that confidence to as the ball's in flight look where the keeper is and then think right I'm going to do this low and hard with my side foot into the near post phenomenal finish yeah um, and you know again so Arsenal although they've gone out of the Champions League um, they've not gone out of the Champions League in the manner that everyone was expecting them to they've, no. they've given it a hell of a go 3-0 up so you know this is Arsenal now I think with a little bit of their tails up um, and Spurs, for all of the, the crowing about, um, you know, they've they've got a race on their hands now for that third place spot. There's only four points in it. Yeah. Uh, Blackburn won, Villa won. Good game. And, oh, <laughs> doing nothing to allay my fears that we could still get pulled into a relegation scrap. That's consecutive draws with Wigan and Blackburn. You know, so I'm beating. I'm beating in two. We're not beating the teams around us, and we have an awful running. Oh really? Oh, have you? Mate, we've still got. We have a run of games where you could comfortably <clears> say <throat> that there's five, six games where we'll do well to get a point. Right. Um. So yeah, we're not out of it yet on 30 points. We're right on the cusp of it, but a couple of wins. But I just don't see where those wins are coming from at the moment. Uh, Man City two, Bolton nil. Uh, consolidate their position in. Uh, at the top of the league, two points gap uh, to Man United, who won as well. Uh, QPR won, Everton won, Stoke won, Norwich nil, Wigan nil, Swansea two, um, which you'd sort of say moves Swansea. I mean, everyone talks about, I mean, what, what's interesting is like people are talking about the 38, 39 points even. Liverpool have only just got that. Yeah. On, and they're in seven. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah, normally by now, teams are reaching that sort of. Point and, and a safe, you know. So you're looking at that group of teams, probably West Brom, Norwich, Sunderland, Everton, Swansea, who are probably looking at the teams below and thinking, you know, one more win. Yeah. If we get to 37, 38 points this season, that's probably going to be enough. Enough, yeah. You know, I think the teams really in, cut away in trouble at the bottom of the QPR, Blackburn, Wolves, Bolton, and Wigan. Um, <coughs> I, I couldn't tell. I, I still have a. F- Feeling that Blackburn are going to go down, I'd, I'd be surprised to see them stay where they are at the moment, just out of the relegation spots. OK. I mean, let's talk about the final game. West Brom won Chelsea nil because of the <clears> fallout <throat> from that. Obviously cost uh, Andres Villas-Boas his job. Um, Trev, what do we make of this? Abramovich, again, getting rid of another manager. Yeah, I mean, I, I got the impression that when he appointed him... Appointed someone so young because it was a long-term plan, and there's going to be needs to be this massive regeneration at Chelsea. This old guard moving out, and a, a new team that needed to be built up. I mean, um, the thing that he brought Matter in, who is brilliant, is superb, and exactly the sort of player that you want to build a team around. And it, you always got the impression that AVB had a had a good relationship with Abramovich, and that was what's going to um, keep him in there. 
Um, but, you know, it's not been enough now. And it'd be interesting to see who they go and get next. I just don't see the point in, in appointing a, a young, promising manager like that and then not even giving him a full season in charge. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird one. I mean, he, he, he was getting increasingly sort of erratic in his press conferences towards the end. And apparently he slept in a, in a little pod at the training ground the night before. Right. Um, yeah. Well, why? I mean, there's just... Yeah, he was just that committed to it, and but then after the game, just turned around and said, "I think there's, I, was, I think he knew what was what was to come." Yeah, because he turned around and said, "Yeah, West Brom were better than us in every department today." <laughs> yeah. yeah, sentences you never want to say. Yeah, you know, I mean, what's going to be interesting is, is who's willing to take it on. Yeah, you know, would would Mourinho go back there? Maybe, you know, he's probably looking at that going. The one thing that I didn't do at Chelsea was win the Champions League. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's maybe got a bit of unfinished business. But beyond that, you know, some of the people that are talking about, are they willing to go and work with Abramovich? To, you know, with, I mean, Ancelotti, I mean, got fired for winning the double and coming second. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And the thing is about, um, like, uh, Brendan Rogers' comments, Swansea manager's comments, interesting, that he got linked. I mean, I think he was a little bit embarrassed about the link, but he said, um, I'm trying to build a career here, not ruin it. As in, you know, I don't want to go to Chelsea because that... I mean, I think AVB would go on and do a great job elsewhere, but it's becoming a, a less and less appealing job, and especially it's got a reputation for all these sort of, you know, Frank Lampard, Drogba, John Terry, you know, old guard players that are going to be hard work to work with. Mm. Um, you know, Hussein went in there and, and did a good job, but then, you know, only ever drops in for a few months, doesn't he? He's enough to be friends with anyone, so... I don't know. I don't know who who would take it over. I mean, Chelsea fan. I mean, Chelsea fans are almost as delusional as Tottenham fans talking about Mourinho when Chelsea fans talk about Guardiola. I mean, did you think Guardiola was standing on the sidelines here, going, "I really want to, you know, go manage manage John Terry now"? No, I can't see that. Um, obviously, Di Matteo is uh, is now in charge. They got a win yesterday away at Birmingham in the uh, in the FA Cup, so maybe that might be a chance for them to. Redeem what's been a poor season for them. Um, and the Manchester side's out of the FA Cup as well, so it's, it is there for the taking. Arsenal yeah. are out as well, so pretty Chelsea much Spurs probably Chelsea Spurs favourite. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we'll uh, obviously follow what happens with Chelsea, but it'll be very interesting to see who uh, who picks up that poison chalice. Uh, all right, games this weekend: um, Bolton, QPR, Villa, Fulham, Chelsea, Stoke, Sunderland, Liverpool. Wolves, Blackburn, Everton, Spurs, Man United, West Brom, Swansea, Man City, Norwich, Wigan, Arsenal, Newcastle. That's this weekend's game. Then the uh, Liverpool, Everton play on the on Tuesday. That's an, I mean, t- two really interesting games for Liverpool there, and they go away to Sunderland, which won't be easy. Sunderland maybe down in twelfth, but they'll move right up below Liverpool. You know, if they can win that, and then they've got rivals Everton, which are never roll over. So, you know, <coughs> Liverpool. Cup win aside, need to pick up some points to save their season. Now, somehow the championship table has crept into my uh, notes, Trev. That's due to the printouts on the BBC. Is that responsible? Uh, let's have a look at the championship. Bless him, eh? How's it looking? <laughs> Give us your championship well, wrap-up. All right. Yeah, well, Sunderland got, you know, played 35, uh, top of the league on 66 points. West Ham got a game in hand on them on 34 games um, 65 points but it's Reading who are doing you know, there's always that one team is that, that after this morning's game that is yeah, yeah. I think so yeah um, uh, and it's it's Reading that kind of you know uh, uh, being the steamroller team I think they've won seven on the spin now so Federici who, who's playing brilliantly as well keeping a lot of clean sheets for them there they're on 63 points only two back from West Ham um, and they have they have a game in hand on Southampton as well, and then Middlesbrough, Blackpool, Birmingham make out the rest of the playoffs. So Middlesbrough again, Reese Williams, another Aussie link. Um, so yeah, let's hope some well, let's hope West Ham get up, but let's hope some Aussies make up as well at the same time. Yeah, but not not long to go, twelve games or so. But West Ham, you know, I think they play seven games this month. They've packed in a load of midweek wow. games, and you know, two sides there in uh, Blackpool and Birmingham. Who you, who have sort of you know beaten the odds to come out? I mean, Birmingham obviously under a cloud with their ownership mm. um, had to sell an awful lot of players. Uh, Chris Hughton, dumped by Newcastle, has come in and done a fantastic job there. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, West Ham pretty much resigned most. Fantastic. <laughs> Would, job there. Do you not want to see him come back up for the rivalry? Do you not enjoy that? Not if we go the other way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Blackpool as well within Holloway obviously an, another team that, that had to sell their better players as they went down 
Yeah. Um, and he's done a fantastic job there. A, a, f- a fascinating piece. I think it was on The Guardian from the, an interview with the owner of Blackpool. I'm not sure if you saw it. Where he was talking about um, how much surplus money they've got left over. And the, they filed their last accounts, and they had things like you know 11 million left over in their accounts from from the year. And he was making the point that um, you know my father saved this club X amount of years ago. And we're we're not going to go into debt. We're not going to throw a load of money at the situation to try and get up or try and stay up. He goes, well, we're, we're taking five million of the money, and we're going to put a new training ground in, so it's infrastructure that is actually tangible. But he just said, I can't believe what owners are doing these days, and the and the pressure fans put you know people under people who own these clubs under to sort of get them up and, and blackpool are, are just smart with their money they refuse to pay agent fees things like that they they try and you know get as many cheap well, they had like a 10, they can. Thousand pound a week uh limit they wouldn't pay any cap. players more than that yep yeah so i mean it's it's a good idea and they're in the premiership before that they're in a reasonable position to to go up this year or certainly make the playoffs so yeah i get it i understand it i think all right, that's it for uh, part three. We'll be back in part four to quickly preview uh, this weekend's A-League game. So join us after the break. The April issue of 442 Magazine is on sale now. It's a special edition on the toughest job in football, the coach. We profile 40 years of Socceroo coaches, analyse Man United 70-year-old Alex Ferguson, take the FFA AFC B licence coaching course, plus Archie Thompson and Mark Milligan model the new Socceroos away jersey. 442 Magazine. Get it at newsstands or download it onto your iPad today. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. We are going to turn our attention now to round 23 of the A-League. Kicks off tomorrow night. Newcastle Jets host Gold Coast United at Hunter Stadium. Yes. Trev. Well, if I was a, a Jets fan, what I'd really want now is a home fixture against a sort of cobbled together Gold Coast team. You'd also want the two teams below you, Sydney and Melbourne, to play each other. That's exactly what they've got. So if they can win, which, which I'm sure they will, I don't think Gold Coast will disgrace themselves either, but I, I think that you know, you'd know you have to be very confident of a Jets win there. That's effectively the final sewed up, I think. You know, And, and certainly you know, the, the Jets will feel that it'll be hard work to lose it from there. Dollar thirty-eight confident? That's no. the sporting bet I've got it at. I don't know I'd ever back any result in the A-League for, for that, but yeah... The, I certainly think that, yeah, Jets will win. Gold Coast are uh, a nine dollars to win. The draw is four dollars thirty-five. Maybe the nine dollars. A few fearless youngsters. Melbourne Hearts uh, also on equal points with the Jets. So uh, this is a massive game for them. Uh, entertain Wellington Phoenix in third place. Everything, I like this stage of the season because when everyone's got something to play for. Um, big game this. Amy Park uh, Saturday five thirty. Yeah. Trev, how do you see this one going? Um, it is a, a really interesting game. I mean, if, if Hart can win, they can put themselves within two points for Wellington Phoenix, who are currently third, um, which would be a hell of a turnaround from, from Hart's dip. Um, I fancy Wellington to get a point out of this, which I'm sure they'll take, um, because that will sort of, hopefully, for, for them point of view, fend off glory for as, for as long as they can. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a draw, I think. OK. Um... That would pay $3.35 on Sporting That's Bet. very interesting. Melbourne Heart, $2.30. Wellington, 3 bucks. Um, they don't know, basically. Sydney FC, Melbourne Victory at the newly named Allianz Stadium. Uh, Allianz Stadium. <laughs> uh, Trev, this one. And obviously, Sydney need a win um, to keep any hope of finals football alive. Melbourne need a win to buck the one and win in nine and always love winning at the SFS. Yeah, I mean, or just Allianz Stadium. Sorry. Um, yeah, it, it would just be a bit of pride, really, wouldn't it, for for victory and not just league pride, but pride against their rivals on on their own soil. In terms of Sydney, I think that with, with the Jets likely to have won the prior day, um, they'll go into this game against their you know main rivals six points behind finals football and knowing anything but oh, you know a win and and that's it, that's their season over. So um, should be a good crowd there. Um, let's talk about twenty plus possibly. Um, you know, let's hope so. I mean, it's almost be worse if the Jets, almost sorry, it'd be better if the Jets slip up to make it more interesting. But um, I think I think it'd be another draw. I think they'd be <laughs> both teams desperate to win, but I'm going to go for a draw. 
Okay. Uh, Sporting Bay got that Sydney uh, $2.15, Melbourne $3.15, and the draw $3.55. I think there's been six draws out of ten games in Sydney. And right. Two wins apiece, so draw has been the prevalent prevalent result. Victory, um, victory love a draw too, so... Brisbane entertain Adelaide, uh, two Asian Champions League protagonists face off at uh, Suncorp yeah. on Sunday afternoon. Brisbane are dollar thirty-two, Adelaide eleven dollars to win <laughs> even, there. Even longer than Gold Coast. Well, after they've just gone to Uzbekistan and won, <laughs> Brisbane will be a dollar, won't it? Eleven bucks. Yeah. Wow, that's huge. We're starting to see like Premier League type prices and stuff now, aren't we? Um, that I mean that said, yeah, Adelaide are coming back. Brisbane played at home in the Champions League. Um, I, I think that this will be the week that Brisbane move top again. And the draw's $4.60. Um, and a final game, uh, Sunday evening our time. Um, Perth entertain the Mariners. Now, this is a very tricky trip for Central Coast. Huge game. But yeah. I would imagine they'll have gone straight there from China. They won't come back to the East Coast to go all the way over. No. Um, Perth for $2.20. The Mariners, $3.10. And the draw, $3.45. And as you said, Trev, you know, the Mariners lose this and Brisbane win. Yeah, um, Brisbane are top. Yeah, and that's what I can say. I mean, particularly for the Mariners, they'll you know with, with Brisbane kicking off beforehand, um, you know they'll, they'll kick off a, a tough game in Perth, knowing that they'll have to pick up something to get back up the top again. And, and like I said, they've they've got this away game, and then in a couple of weeks' time, the Mariners have got to go away, away to Wellington. So um, yeah, really really important result. But I think Perth are going to win. Excellent. In other news, uh, big the, the New South Wales Skill Acquisition League kicks off this weekend with my uh, my boys, Sutherland Sharks under 11, taking on Canterbury. It was the glamour tie of the week, so yeah. uh, I'll let you know how we get on. Been looking good in, the, in our trial games, Excellent. undefeated so far. And um, new issue on sale. Yes, more important things. <laughs> Proper important things. Yeah, so the, Talk us through it. This, well, it's a, it's a coach's special leading with... Um, Socceroos managers. Oh, there was a link there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Including, uh, yeah, you know, 40 years or well, 40 odd years of, of Socceroos managers all the way back from Rally Russell. We speak to Frank Farina, who's got a great story about winning 3 0 in Hungary when um, I don't know if you've had the chance to read it yet, but there was a bit of controversy with some Australian company um, dumping their waste in the rivers in Hungary, ended up killing all the fish in the river. So when the Socceroos went to play there, the uh, Hungarian fans were pelting the soccer players with dead fish from the, from the stands. <laughs> and just little stories like that, which I love, and uh, it, it's always fascinating to get an insight into managing the Socceroos. We speak to, to Pim again, who makes some very Pim comments about what he's, what he's said in the past, and Holger, and um, Sir Alex, big feature on him, turned 70, and then, of course, yourself. Story of me doing my, uh, my B licence, my gruel in two weeks at the Sydney Academy of Sports. So if you want to know... Uh, what goes into uh, getting a current FFA coaching qualification, you can find out. Perfect. Yeah. All right, on sale now, and it's uh, also on the iPad, two ninety nine. If you've uh, got an iPad, head to the App Store, the newsstand app as it is now. All right, that's it for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week for Trev's final swung song. Well, I was, I was speaking to producer Simon before, and I was just thinking perhaps it's the best of We can just sit for 140 podcasts again. <laughs> Snipping out yeah, the... Yeah, you can do that. You can Just the best of me, really. All right. We'll be back next week. Enjoy your football this weekend. Get out and support your A-League team. If you're on the Eastern Seaboard, try and stay dry. And we'll be back next week. See you later. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.